The RBA were on hold yesterday, so is it really just a wait-and-see decision with more hikes likely, or are they really wondering how much of a slowdown they've created and should they hold off altogether? We'll look at that and how much more hiking is expected on a day that was otherwise quiet with America celebrating, well, not being British, and they slowly nudge back into the international calendar with the release of the FOMC minutes early in the morning, possibly with stains from the barbecue sauce. And hey, we got through Independence Day without an alien invasion. That's a win. It's Wednesday, the 5th of July, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the bond and equity markets in the US have been closed, of course, for the 4th of July, but currency markets are still trading. Even so, the US dollar went nowhere, but the Aussie dollar gained 0.4%, edging up towards 67 US cents. The pound also up a quarter percent. The euro down 0.2%. Bond yields moved up in Canada, up seven basis points for 10 years, down two for 10 years in the UK. Aussie 10 years, uh, the yields were yesterday up four basis points, back up to 4.01%, but no move on that on futures overnight. And oil has pushed higher, reversing yesterday's falls because, uh, well, you know, why not? Uh, Brent is up 2.1% to 76.25 a barrel. WTI is up 1.8%, but of course, slim trade with America doing whatever they do on the 4th of July, having parties, drinking beer, dumping tea in the harbour, you know, all those sorts of ceremonial things. But let's pick through what has been happening with NAB's Taylor Nugent in Melbourne. Uh, We should obviously start with the pause from the RBA yesterday. We've been saying it was line ball. But what's interesting is I thought it was a fairly dovish statement. But I look around, others are saying that, you know, have a completely opposite view. How, how, how did you take it? Yeah, yeah. Good morning, Phil. Um, Nab's call had, had penciled in a, an increase in July, but really the, the view was that the cash rate would be heading higher towards 4.6% kind of over the coming months. And we still um, expect the, the RBA to, to deliver a couple more hikes from here. On the on the um, statement, as you mentioned, um, you know some of the commentary. There was a little bit less discussion around the upside risk to inflation that had got it over the line to deliver hikes at the previous two meetings. A little bit more about the the concern on the outlook. I think you've got to kind of read that in the context of the the eventual decision as well. And you know, in meetings where where they have paused, there um, it makes sense that some of the some of the the weighting in the in the discussion in that post meeting statement does lean towards those risks to to activity that are really the reason why it is yeah. moving more slowly. So then, why? So in that case, why two more hikes? If there's expert, you know, if there's less concern about inflation, more of a concern about slowdown, then that you'd be thinking, well, this isn't a pause for reflection. This could be it. Perhaps, yeah. I think I think broadly, you know, if there if there was a meeting where the RBA would kind of return to its April instinct to to move more slowly, this this was it. It comes ahead of the the forecast update in August. They get the full second quarter CPI on the the twenty sixth of July ahead of that August meeting as well. And so I think you know we can read this decision in the context of the RBA at this stage of the cycle. They don't feel like they need to be moving seventy five basis points a quarter, um, but this doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that they they think they're at the peak and so um, you know, you look at you look at some of the discussion. A lot of it was really around giving the, themselves time to to see that data come in. The RBA through this cycle has been you know attempting to to move more slowly, try and do as little as possible with with interest rates, have a smaller impact and, and a, a smaller bite on activity while still seeing inflation back down. Those risks to the inflation outlook that the RBA had been flagging recently 
they're still there in our view. When we look at the, the data flow, it looks like while those kind of year-ended rates of inflation, both on the headline and on underlying measures, will be moving lower in, in Q2 and, and the third quarter data as well, there's kind of very little evidence of kind of sequential progress on underlying inflation on kind of a quarter-on-quarter -quarter basis relative to where we were in Q1. And so we think that data flow will keep the RBA moving. Um, but, you know, the decision today does, you know, continue to suggest that the RBA is giving the data every opportunity to tell it that it, it can stop. Right. And so how have the markets taken this? It sounds like what you're saying then is they're there saying, well, there's less of an upside risk for inflation, but NAB's saying, well, be careful with that. But how's how's the market responded to it? Yeah. You know, you look at you look at market pricing, markets heading into the announcement were about 36 percent priced for for an increase. Um, and we had um, yields in the short end in Australia kind of moving higher through that early part of the session ahead of that announcement as well. And, and in the event, we did see a bit of a pullback in, in near-term pricing and, and three-year yields as well, about 10 basis points out of the, the peak of cash rate pricing at one point, but a bit of a retracement on that um, through the through the afternoon as well. So kind of all said and done, term um, pricing for the end of the year currently sits around 4.5%, about four basis points lower than it was a day prior. And so, you know, a slower path in, in the near term, a little bit taken out of, of terminal pricing, but not too much of a reaction. Um, and I think that just goes to that point that, you know, this doesn't necessarily say that the RBA is done. You know, you read that, that final paragraph, there wasn't much changed. Um, there was a, a sentence added explaining that this, that this decision was in order to kind of get more information, allow more time to, to make that assessment. But also there was kind of an explicit change that the decisions from here will depend. It had been the, the outlook for inflation in the labor market. It's now explicitly the forecast for inflation in the labor market. And so I don't think that's an accident given that they do get those updated forecasts in August. And given that those forecasts will likely be conditioned on a cash rate assumption that has a at least one more hike from here um, in the backgrounds, then, um, you know, we would expect that those forecasts to be making the case to to the board that, that another increase is needed. So uh, it's a clearer picture perhaps for New Zealand, though. The quarterly survey of business opinion uh, is showing a slowdown in the economy, uh, easing labour market pressures. So is that it? Is that job done for the RBNZ? Uh, yeah, certainly some some interesting data out of that, that QSBO survey. Not too much of a market reaction, but kind of if you look through the detail, it did show a picture that was kind of supportive of the assessment that the RBNZ is done. And certainly our, our BNZ colleagues kind of read it as supportive of that view that the next move from the RBNZ is likely to be to be down rather, rather than up. Um, catching attention in, in the detail of that survey was really just a, a range of indicators suggesting that some of those capacity pressures in the, the New Zealand economy are easing, the kind of constraints on business output kind of shifting from the availability of labour towards kind of a shortfall in, in demand as a, a major constraint on output. And so suggesting that, you know, the monetary policy tightening is is getting bite there and that the that, that will support the, the outlook for disinflation and suggests that, you know, the RBNZ is is probably done at, at these levels. Right. So quite a rise in the Kiwi dollar. It's up almost 0.7% this morning. The Aussie too, it's up 0.3% uh, when there's not a lot going on uh, worldwide on currency moves. So uh, in fact, the moves really are concentrated in this part of the world. So why is that? I mean, it's light trade. Maybe risk mood is a little better because there's just not much data around or, you know, it seemed like a good idea to somebody or is it, as is often the case, uh, a bit to do with China? 
Yeah, so interesting. After after the RBA pause, we did see the Aussie initially down. It was down close to 0.7% at, at one point off that decision, an intraday low of around 66.40. But it has it has retraced and over the day is about 0.3% higher. Kind of late in the Australian afternoon, there was a bit of support alongside a, a strengthening yuan as well. Um, the, the PBOC has been leaning against recent yuan weakness um, and the the reference rate was set about 315 pips stronger than the average estimate of the Bloomberg survey yesterday. So that's the widest gap since November and does suggest some kind of official dis- displeasure with the, the weakness that we've seen in the yuan recently and the, the CNY, um, the USD lost about 0.4% against the CNY and that's back down to its lowest since the 28th of June. And so that, that you know, strength in the renminbi on the day is certainly supportive of the Aussie there. And then, you know, broader across the, the kind of commodity currencies were a bit stronger against the US dollar as well. So that, that those stories kind of outweighing the, the initial reaction to the RBA for the Aussie. Right. And the manufacturing slowdown, I mean, we're seeing that everywhere. So we saw, we talked yesterday, yesterday morning's podcast about uh, weaker manufacturing in the US yesterday and the revision downwards for the PMIs in Germany which is hardly a surprise after the fall that we saw in the IFO for Germany, showing a, a big drop. So no surprise that the PMIs were revised down. We can add uh, Canada to that list now because the June PMI was down a smidgen from 49 to 48.8, but, you know, obviously venturing further into contraction territory. And then uh, we had Germany's balance of trade, which was reduced in May because exports were expected to incre- increase by 0.3% month on month. They actually fell. So we had a big plunge in March, a slight rebound in April, then a, then a small drop in in May. So the German economy, obviously heavily reliant on uh, on its exports, uh, is in a bad place. Clearly, yeah. So those those um, export startup out of Germany, a little bit of a um, small decline in in exports against expectations for a small increase. That's kind of consistent with that message out of the out of the PMIs recently that shows that manufacturing side of the German economy very weak and that kind of, you know, exports as a, an engine of growth and a support for the recovery are, are on fairly shaky grounds. Um, and it just, you know, goes to those themes that, you know, we've been talking about for, for a while of that kind of good side of the economy, that manufacturing side of the economy um, um, slower um, and, you know, China wrapped up in that as as well with kind of the, the slowdown in, in China and kind of the fragility of that rebound also. also it's not just China, of course. I mean, two-thirds of their exports actually go to Europe as well. And if Europe's on a slowdown, only, only 10% goes to the USA where there's, uh, where there's some hope perhaps. So, uh, yeah, they really are suffering by the mix of export markets. So manufacturing now, bad news just about everywhere. Uh, we get U.S. factory orders tonight, of course, for May. But what about services? Because we get the Caging Services PMI today, which was very strong last time, fifty-seven point one. So there is growth in China. It's just not, you know, just not the growth where we want it. Uh, will we see a slowdown in services now happening in China as well? I wonder. Yeah, the the Tyson Services PMI, um, you know, another update on on the momentum in in China's kind of stalling economy there. Um, you know, service is still expected to show relative strength relative to the the manufacturing side. Um, but you know, again, kind of you know, focus really still in in China on whether that that you know more support from from policymakers is forthcoming to to support the economy. Um, there was a little bit of news overnight um, reporting in Bloomberg that um, state banks had been providing longer. Uh, 
maturity loans to to local governments, so easing some of those kind of immediate credit crunches in in that sector, but still no kind of broad-based policy package forthcoming. Um, and so, you know, attention there, you know, the services PMI, a, a near-term update on how that how that economy is tracking, but attention really kind of longer term still on whether that that broader support package will be forthcoming. And uh, talking about services PMIs, we get the, the final numbers, the, the revisions. I mean, I mean, you know, we ex- normally don't expect too much in the final read, but we have been seeing revisions lately, so perhaps we'll see them again. Uh, so Germany, Italy, France, the Euro area, the UK, and with the exception of France, they've all been over 50. But, you know, maybe this is, a, again, we will start to see more of a slowdown in the services sector today. We'll see. But look, the other thing today, in the early hours of the morning tomorrow, the FRMC minutes, uh, it was a fairly rocky session after the uh, last FOMC meeting. So clearly nobody was quite sure how to take it uh, with the dot plots revised upwards. Markets questioning the idea, though, of two or more hikes. So I wonder if we'll pick out anything out of the minutes. I mean, quite a bit has been said since, hasn't it? Yeah, I think I think that's the that's the key point. We've heard a lot from Fed speakers since that since that decision already. And so maybe there's not too much hope for anything, you know, to change the assessment too much out of those minutes. But, you know, we'll still be kind of passing the the detail there and just kind of the waiting on some of those discussions around the the case for a pause um, and the the decisions and the, the outlook. Right. So you know what we're going to do, Taylor? We're going to leave it there. This is going to be the shortest podcast. That gives everyone time. It's still the 4th of July in the United States. So everyone get on a chair and sing the Star Spangled Banner uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the four minutes that you've got left. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch you again next time. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Well, here we go. That's it from me. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning for another edition of The Morning Call. See you then. Thanks for listening. Listener.